Hello and welcome to The Wise Why. I am joined by the incredible Jill. I'm going to say the same. I'm probably going to say the surname wrong. Geik? No, it's Geik. Geik. And well, I knew you, do you know, and I'll tell you how everyone's going to remember it because um, this is what one of my son's school teachers said. It's gay with K on the end, pronounced like dyke. And you'll get it now. You, you'll, know, you'll remember it and you'll, and you'll get it. So. I love it. I've now got an image of the little boy with his finger in the dike because my husband's Dutch. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, and, and my children begged me, begged me, can we change your name? Just, just, they would, they wanted to change their name to something else just through during school hours. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, my, my one said, do I have to have such a long surname? I went, mm. well, you can abbreviate it. And she went, hmm. Hmm. So, well, as I said, Jill has joined me this morning. Jill is amazing. She is actually one of the women that keeps me on track. Uh, if it wasn't for Jill, I could spend hours and hours. It's Jill and Sharon and actually Paul Holmes. I could spend hours and hours and hours down that rabbit hole, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. So as usual, the show is not about me. It is about Jill. Jill, please introduce yourself to the audience. No, thanks so much, Kirsty. That's really great. I'm always a bit worried that you need that many women to keep you under control, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hard task. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, my name's Jill Geik, and I have a business called GMG Business Coaching. That's what I do. I'm a business coach. So if I give you my um, my spiel, um, my cheesy bit, which says I'm your business sat now guiding you on your business journey, it kind of... Um, it can be it can be super cheesy and I got a whole load of cheesy marketing stuff to go with it um, to be your business sat nav. But actually, that's what a lot of people happen when they're in business is they start off in business and they kind of get they get busy, busy, busy. But they don't know where they're going. They don't set um, a goal um, and they, they get a little bit disrupted. They kind of just start start doing things and they don't. And if you don't know where you're going, how do you know when you get there? How do you know how to get there? So it's about, that's what I do. And you've experienced that using the goal mapping tool, which is really rather funky and powerful with a whole load of psycho stuff behind it. And the last session I attended last Tuesday, that came in at exactly the right point for me because mm. uh, I walked in feeling a little bit overwhelmed as any new business or relatively new business owner does. And I decided to take on quite a humongous task. And you, I think the first thing you said was breathe, breathe breathe no I say that to my clients but yeah. you did you helped me breathe and then we did this wonderful goal mapping can you expand a bit about goal mapping because I know what it is but there's some people out there that have no idea yeah um it's it's a pretty phenomenal system it's very it's simple but not simplistic so what it is is when when we're overwhelmed and, and that everyone is at the moment for one reason or the other in it's about um it's because we're not in control of some, anything. So this is about helping you focus and get control of something in your life. And it is an, an amazing system, which is, is a, sounds rubbish, but it is a generic way of setting goals and very powerful goals to make sure that you know where you're going. And quite often it's even just writing something down or, or, or sharing it with somebody is sometimes enough because it, it it sends a message to your subconscious. You shared it with people, and that's the way you you um, stay on task and you remember it because it's in the back of your head, the mind all the time. But this is a, a system which brings together that idea of um, writing down the goal, having a written down goal, with visualization. Um, and we know the power of visualization because we think, we dream, we remember in pictures. 
So it uses that creative side of our brain, the right hand creative side of our brain, together with the more strategic side of our brain, brings that together um, to give what we call whole brain activation. And, um, and it's just super powerful. So if you're very left brain, it helps you to activate your creative side, which actually together is when you when you somebody that's very left brain activates their creative side, their their strategic side becomes stronger, um, and and the same happens vice versa. So somebody who's very creative, who's a bit rubbish or struggles with the detail and the strategy, it's a way of bringing those things together. I loved it because I'm a visual person. Yeah. Um, I'm not quite sure where my brain sits because I'm quite strategic, but I've got that creative side. But when we did the session, it really appealed. I, obviously, with the dyslexia, I struggled a little bit with the, the writing. When it came to the drawing, my stick men rocked. But it was just interesting how the visual for me was, once I've got that written down and, and got through the overwhelm of, oh, my brain, because I was explaining mm. how my brain goes like this because of the dyspraxia, and then dunk. But I was way drawing and finishing that quicker, much quicker. So obviously it appealed Really? There's a whole kind. There's a whole kind of thing that you that you do, and it's some of the stuff I've done with the NLP as well, where you're actually flipping from one side of your brain to the other to connect the dots, and it kind of activates all sorts of things. It's exhausting, but it kind of activates lots of different things, and it's a really clever way of doing. But there's um, there's lots of um, well, there's seven steps to goal mapping. And there's seven fundamental rules. There's seven principles. There's seven important questions. So we're we're, there's a lot of sevens in this world, in our world, but it really, really, really works. And it's been created by some a, a chap called Brian Main, who's just phenomenal. He's the most magical man. He's a little bit of yeah, a little bit of our guru, um, mine and Katrina's, and really interesting person. He has a very interesting story and incredible experience. And he's brought all of that into this goal mapping system. And he's done a lot of research and reading on different ancient cultures, on Western, Eastern, um, uh, South American cultures. And they actually, when you go deep into them, they all have similar philosophies about um, visualization, setting goals and the principles of it. So it's knowing what you want is the, it's a start point, but what's very critical is the why and understanding why and lots of people say oh find your why blah 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 but it's it's tapping into it it's because it's how does it make you feel because our emotions are what motivate so if you can really really tap into how it makes you feel if you achieve that goal how will you feel what will you have what will it give you and when you've got when you know that that why that's when the goal becomes very motivational and that's the critical those are the sort of critical things. Obviously, there needs to be a timeline. Otherwise, it's, you know, wishful thinking. It could go on forever. Ever. Once you've got a, a, a specific date when you want to achieve that by, you are much more targeted and focused. And then we have the other steps, which is how are you going to do it? What are the steps you need to take to achieve that goal? And who is going to help you? And that's who, um, which person, which organization, which group of people, or who are you being in that moment? So one of my goals is about healthy eating and having a healthy diet because healthy body, healthy mind kind of thing um, is where I start from. And the who am I being? It's my um, disciplined shopping angel that I need to use for that, because otherwise there'll be far too much chocolate on the shopping in the shopping basket and not enough 
of the good healthy stuff. Um, I kick myself when I get high. You know, you know those, those fridge moments when you go, oh, I really need something naughty now. I go, damn it, that damn bloody disciplined shopping angel. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that. I love the visual image of the angel. Um, I, I want the chocolate bar now. Obviously, I'm going to have to go yeah, downstairs yeah. and see. I haven't got any in either. So, yeah, not good. Um, how did you get into, how did you get, I mean, it, it's, it's brave to sit up on your own. It's brave to go out there and try something different. And it's even braver to use your name, as we were just discussing. <laughs> so how, um, how did you, how, how did you get here? Um, you know that everybody says, um, find what you love, uh, um, um, do what you love doing and you never work a day in your life. And you go, yeah, yeah, and no, I never found it. And I never found it and I never found it. And I keep kept um, striving for whatever success um, was, a lot of that is what other people say success is and striving and a lot of what I've done in my past is as a result of circumstances and um, uh, yeah you know you, you are restricted to quite a degree about where you uh, what you do by um, family commitments where you live um, your qualifications all that kind of thing and so I, I was kind of on this so I'd say on a bit of a hamster wheel um, and I was in a um, um in a quite a big organization having done a whole load of other various things and i was speaking to an hr director in the us and we were talking about um uh career pathways and all of those kind of things i said i don't know what to do next and he said have you looked at coaching and you know the americans are very much everybody has a therapist everybody has a coach and all that kind of thing and he said he said he what he's getting all of his team trained up because of how powerful it was and that actually you bring that aspect into his HR team, it would really support the um, fast tracking of um, high performance um, uh, individuals and to, to strengthen their management teams. And he said, have a look at it. So I went, okay. And I went and had a look at it and I did a free weekend course and I had that aha moment. I went, oh my God, I have found it. This is what I was always meant to do. That's just brilliant. So um, this, HR guy was kind of important to you. Who else uh, has helped and supported you to get you to where you are? Oh my God, there's a zillion people because <laughs> because all of um, it's little breadcrumbs along the way, isn't it? I know I know some people say they have an eureka moment. That was my eureka moment. Was this is what I need? This is what I always needed to do. The next step was finding a way of doing it, and it took me a long time to get to the next step because. Um, I had responsibilities and I had to get rid of my responsibilities, okay, with the kids before I could make the leap of faith to do my own thing. But there's lots of different things. One of the, um, I worked with a startup business um, um, in the days of, pod, of um, iPods. I um, don't know if you remember that. I started with a startup business with a guy who was, well, in my eyes, was mad. Um, he had this massive vision, massive vision. He went big. And I kept going, no, 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 you can't do that. You can't do that. That was my upbringing. No, no, you can't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Oh, that's that's impossible. And he went big. And I mean, there's a guy called Tom Dudridge. Um, he's kind of a little bit of my hero. Um, but he was amazing. There was he was amazing and frustrating all in one in one go. But we he, he built a business that went from a zero to a million pound turnover in 12 months. And all I can say was hold on to your table because it was, yeah. And because he went big, 
he decided that he was going to do iPod accessories and he was going to deliver iPod accessories for Boots for their Christmas stock. And he went for it. We didn't have to stop. We had to do all of the other stuff. We had to kind of backfill. But he went and, and he taught me to think big. And if you don't shoot for the moon, you won't ever get to the stars. So actually shoot for the moon is really important. If you think big, um, you're, you're going to achieve something. Otherwise, you're restricting yourself all the time. So he's a great uh, one of mine. And the other thing that um, I liked about him was um, he always introduced me. He was my boss. He always introduced me with, um, we work together. It's still we work together. Wow. He sounds absolutely inspirational. I've got a funny feeling I may have crossed paths with him when I worked in field marketing. You may have done because we did a lot of stuff with Carphone Warehouse, all of those iPod, Gear 4. So I was a Intel trainer around that time and I trained all the Carphone Warehouse guys. I don't normally talk about this. Um, I trained them all about how to sell Intel. Now this, gosh, I think they were notepads. What were they called? It doesn't matter. They were the kind of bridging gap between a laptop. So they were really perfect to be light and portable before we got to the smart tech. Yeah. So yeah. I was in Carphone Warehouse dealing with the Geek Squad around the same time. That's really yeah, weird. Yeah, so um, there, there is, I think you can still get them. It's called the Icebox, which is um, a, um, a case for, for phones and iPods. Honestly, we put it in backwards once in the office. We couldn't break the damn thing. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, um, we had, it was the most amazing fun um, and absolutely bonkers. But, yeah, it was, it was amazing fun. And that was... Um, an interesting one and then there's always there's lots of different people along the way I had an amazing friend of mine who um, whatever the question was the answer was yes um, did crazy nutty stuff with her and it was awesome and again make helping you to think bigger and just go for it and that really helped and then obviously uh, going out on my own was um, yeah uh, it was scary it was a leap, leap of faith there was a whole load of stuff went on this friend of mine when my best friend unfortunately she died and I nursed her at the end of, my, end of her life because I was between uh, jobs and it was uh, all I can say was that was the most phenomenal thing ever it was just so amazing to have share that love for somebody and she taught me um yeah yeah you know dancing on the tables while you're having chemo is and she was still living every minute and she made us all promise that we would live our lives to the full because she couldn't so i've done some crazy well i was doing crazy you know pushing the boundaries before but i did a little bit more um, and then i went off and did some traveling on my own and so when i came back i was ready to do my I, I, own thing. I love that because um you do need to be ready and you do need to take a leap of faith and you do need to think big because you do limit yourself and I've been guilty I am absolutely guilty of limiting and hiding and avoiding doing things that would allow me to be successful because of fear and I've recently been as you know part of what you're one of the women that's done this kicked me really hard my, my backside is actually quite sore at the moment from the amount of people that have kicked me because of self-doubt I and thought you. it was gently pulling you in the right direction there, <laughs> honestly. But the, the thing is, is, don't don't think for a minute that any of us don't still don't have self-doubt. I still have it. We all have it. Anybody that has it. And when you know that everybody has it, 
and and there's a few people probably listen to this going oh that's not what you were saying last week Jill um, <laughs> because we all had those little moments of doubt you know do I know what I'm talking about um will anybody you know listen to me um and there's you know that little monkey on the shoulder giving you the back chat and yeah, and, and actually what I've learned um, through some of the training I've done is just to recognise when that's happening. You just go, okay, that's happening. How do we deal with this? And there are ways of dealing with that. You know when you're in a, a bad mood. It, and it starts, it starts, you know, when you're sad, you, do, you, you slump your body and, and you look down. And when you're happy, you do that. Now, actually, there's a physiological thing. If you do that, you cannot cry. You cannot frown. You have to laugh. So it's doing those things. It's recognizing what physical things, um, what um, things make you happy, and do those when you're sad. So I I know that when I'm on a um, when things are going really well for me, um, and I this is something I noticed when I was doing my training was I start to dance. So I get all and I start to dance. So actually, when I'm not feeling great. I put on loud music and I dance around my kitchen and that that raises my mood. And those are the things that I've learned. And that's the things I love to share. Those little, little tidbits of information that help people just in the moment go, OK, I can change how I think. I can change how I feel. It's the thoughts we have that make us feel in a particular way, which make us react in a particular way um, and affect. Uh, and, and it's a whole cycle. So if you can change your thoughts, you can change your feeling, you can change your response, you can change how you act. And it's that cycle that we work with, that I work with in my coaching. I use coaching to support businesses. So it's a kind of, that's part of the coaching um, tool, as it were. And um, the business side is just all of the jumbled up experience I have um, rolled up into a package that I can help share with people share with people because I've done a lot of stuff I, I love it I find that it's hard sometimes because I'm trying to stop not stop coaching because I would always coach there's no toys about it I am um, I love empowering people to speak with confidence but I went down the rabbit hole because of the pandemic of focusing on that because I could do it online and earn money and I forgot about the other bits of what I do and it's when you come in and it was you in, on a call with Sharon and they went, I didn't know you did that. And I went, ah, oh, how can you not know I didn't do that? So thank you for actually pointing out that maybe I'd got caught up in the rabbit hole and I got caught up in my own head. Yeah, but I think that's what we all do. Um, actually, funny enough, that's why the goal mapping helps because it, you just go back to it and go oh yeah that's what I was doing forgot yeah because it, we all get distracted by shiny things you go oh my god that's such a good idea I want that I want that and I I can say I've been so many times I've gone oh it's kind of like looking over the fence and going oh I really like what she does or I really like what he does that's a really interesting industry oh my god maybe I could do that and then you you start to um, dilute your time, your energy, and you focus on the wrong things. So actually staying focused is all part, and being clear what it is that you want is all part of our journey. It's part of how I support businesses and business people, but it's how I do it for myself as well. And it, and honestly, 
it is a journey of discovery. We, we started to talk about it earlier, didn't we, about um, when you start out on your own, it's kind of, you are not clear what you want and who you are and what you're doing, but it doesn't matter. The first step is to make that step, go out and talk about it. And I found that when I went out networking and I started to talk about it, it started to become clearer in my head what I was doing. And then I started to go, oh, I actually sound quite intelligent. I'll carry on down this road. Or, you know, you, you see how people respond to you and you go, oh, that's what I want. And over time, um, you become much clearer about what it is that you are delivering and able to give people. Um, and then it becomes clearer to you as well. It becomes clearer to you and therefore clearer to them. And so I would say, you know, make that leap of faith. Just jump and, and see what happens. It is a little bit of the jump in the deep water, you will swim. Um, you, your style of swimming will change, but you will swim. Um, and it's interesting. And you meet the most amazing people on the, on the way. And, and, and I wonder... that is what has been, oh my God, so heartwarming. The people that I have met since I've, since I've gone out on my own has just been phenomenal. The support, the um, family that we've created, that's been created, I have never felt more supported um, and less lonely than since I've been self-employed and on my own. I want to touch up on that networking. Mm. Beautiful, wonderful, powerful thing before we go to the questions. And the reason I wanted to just what you just said there was really, really key. When you go out and you start networking, it's nerve wracking. Yes, you've got to walk into a room. Yeah, you've got to, you've got to succinctly say what you do, particularly uh, the local one that we you go to in and the one that you run um can I say it am I allowed to say where we go yeah oh yeah please, okay. please. so the buzz network so um and what's really good about it is you get to test out you get a test in a really safe environment and that going out networking meeting people as well as working with the business spa that really helped me hone my my offering and and I'm everybody if you're starting up or you are lost in your business you don't do it alone you can't no, do it no, no, in no, your no. own head so yeah, you, you get stuck in your own head go out and talk to people and you may walk into a room and think everybody knows each other but no not everybody does some people do obviously not everybody does the thoughts that are going through your head are going through theirs who's going to talk to me what happens if no one, what do I do? What happens if somebody talks so much to me? How can I get out of it? Well, we have lots of little tips and tricks for that. Just go and talk to people. Genuinely, people go to networking because they want to get to know you because they're interested. Yeah, so go and talk to people. You don't have to talk about yourself. You can just ask them about them. Everybody loves to be listened to. <laughs> they do. I'm gonna to go to the questions. We've had a really busy morning. Um, Ella, I'm just going to say it straight away. I hope I see you tomorrow because Ella and I, our children go to the same school, which is always really lovely. Uh, Rabina has joined us to say good morning. And Jill, even though I'm not a business owner, I feel I may learn a lot here, which is brilliant. You don't um, have to be a business owner to do any of this stuff. Absolutely not. I mean, the stuff, all of the things we do, it supports you in, a career, in your career goals as well as your business goals. So if you're not a business owner, but you are um, a little bit stuck, um, or, you know, if you want to do something, you know, you've decided you want to go and climb a mountain. There's a goal map for that, too. 
Rubina, you should get in touch because I know where you are. Um, Ella is is just brilliant. You're such. Uh, she says you're so my kind of person. I love to boogie around the house. So I love boogieing. So maybe there's something we could do there. Maybe we should start boogieing. What do you think? We, we what now? Music <laughs> <gone>, on, baby. <laughs> yeah, I'm not there. Yeah, yeah, my days of dancing are over. <laughs> no, 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 no. They're never over. They're never over. So you, you, this is this is negative talk. No, no, no I meant I should have ref I should have reframed that, and we'll do this live. I should have said my professional days of dancing are over. <laughs> you never um, know; people might pay you to dance or pay you to stop. You know that. Uh, yeah, I, I think um, well, it, it's I, I broke my toes, so I can't go on point any longer. So that's what I meant. <laughs> type of dancing, how you? Yes, it, it very much so, and and of course that's a typical mindset of a of a dance someone who trained dancing we think of dancing as ballet and controlled and of course then we go and try and boogie on the local dance floor and we're, we're strutting our moves doing hip rolls and everyone looks at you and goes uh what are you doing why are you not just dancing around your handbag so I think I'll just go and dance around my handbag. yeah dance like no one's watching <laughs> really good advice in fact I'm going to say something really bad here uh, when I was acting the, one of the worst things that we're ever asked to do as an actor is do a party scene. And the reason we're asked to do a party scene when you do a party scene is we all become self-conscious of our dancing. You've never seen anything like it. A group of actors or dancers trying to dance without showing that they can dance. Yeah, it, it's it's hysterical. Oh, it's pretending you can't, yeah. Yeah, pretending you can't, you're no good at something is quite hard, isn't it? Really, really hard. It just it just makes me giggle. It's one of those memories. Uh, Claire's just said, uh, definitely have my playlist on Spotify to keep upbeat. This has been an absolute joy. Jill, um, so we've talked about your aha moments. Um, can I ask about a little bit about your name and you know where it comes from? Because I know that this is a really interesting story. So um, because I know you. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So we 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 had a we had a we had a name off, didn't we? Um, so <laughs> Um, I, um, there's a little bit of an adventurous streak in me. You may have already worked it out. Um, so when I was 18, um, um, I, um, went to live with a family in Germany, um, as an au pair. I'd never got on a plane before. I don't think I'd even been to an airport before. So, um, just before the Pope arrived, I arrived. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so I started to work with a family, um, look after their children in, in Bonn in Germany. And it was, it was, it was a phenomenal and an awesome family. And I'm still in touch with them. So, um, uh, and an amazing experience. And those experiences are really the things that open your mind. Um, and Germans, they have this once a year, they do this thing called Carnival. And there's a whole load of au pairs, um, a group of um, English au pairs got together and we went and um did carnival and um i can't remember much but um <laughs> i met a chap and i ended up getting married and staying in germany so that's where my name comes from but the name is quite interesting because my uh, um, now ex-husband's family is um, east prussian um and if you know your geography east prussia is actually prince albert was it east prussian um it was is now um, it's east of Poland and it's now a, a country called Kaliningrad. Um, uh, it's part of Russia. Kaliningrad is where his family came from, um, and 
it was basically ethnic cleansed um, after the Second World War. And his, um, my in-laws, they tell a story which is quite frightening, where his mother, um, uncle and grandmother, they were threatened. They were they were told if they tried to um, escape by the Germans that they would be stopped, and they were terrified of the Russians because they had this awful reputation. Um, and so they walked into town, into uh, Kaliningrad, which is now, which was called Königsberg at the time. They walked in with all of, with layers of clothes on. Um, and the story that Omar Tells told us, or when I asked her, was that they were walking up the gangplank. They were the last ones walking up the gangplank on a ship to escape to Sweden um, as the Russians were firing shots to them. So quite traumatic. And it's very interesting when you hear the story from a different perspective. Um, and then they were refugees for, for a very long time. So um, I, if you know anything about German history, the Bavarians and the East Prussians uh, and the Prussians are um, mortal um, enemies in the German um, world of Germany, that is. Um, and their family, unfortunately, ended up being refugees in Bavaria. Um, speaking with this very East Prussian accent. So they had a really rough time during the war. They were hungry, they were starving. Um, I, they tell stories, you know, as a um, tractor went by and a potato fell off the tractor, they had potato soup for a week. Yeah. So it's just the other side of the story that you don't hear. Um, and then they were obviously displaced. Um, they couldn't go back to their homes. Um, and my mother-in-law, um, probably stopped going to school at the age of nine and never went back. Um, so, because she would, by the time that they found somewhere to, they were left the refugee camp and were repacked in, found somewhere to live, she was 15, 16. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and um, her and um, Orpa, grandpa, the grand, grandpa, um, he was having a whale of a time. He was a prisoner of war in some, uh, in France. And I think there's a little bit of a joke within the family that there are some half. Uh, Germans running around uh, there because he had quite a nice time but it took 10 years before he was home I think yeah before he was repatriated so you see it takes a long time to rebuild and uh, rebuild lives and they actually lived in a flat up until the 1980s where they had a shared bathroom with um, the flats the flat below them so yeah, yeah it, it be grateful um, for what you have very much we, we won't get political but you know it does make you think about what's going on in the world today and I remember when I first met Dennis and his granny talked about watching Rotterdam alight as mm. if it was fireworks in the sky but it wasn't it was the bombs and I think sometimes we forget not that we forget no I think what you what it is is you know we hear about the big picture you hear a big picture but actually it affects individuals and this is how it affects them and you know and there's, and there's knock-on effects I was, I was listening to something really interesting about generational trauma but that was also there's knock-on effects so mm -hmm. my mother-in-law is obsessed with food because she was always hungry she of course hungry as a child so um it's a bit of a she she puts food on your plate and you go stop 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 and there's more three more spoonfuls land on your plate who's got knock on it all and it's that kind of stuff but you know it's all comes from a place of a good intent and that's that's really interesting thank, thank you for sharing i know it's a really powerful story and i just thought it was really yeah pertinent i think that's what i want to to share today um this is where you get to turn the tables on me 
I have no idea what's coming. You get to ask me a question. No, you see, I listened to a couple of these and I didn't know what to ask you. And I still don't know what to ask you. But I suppose um, I'm going to ask you. Um, and this, it, yeah, this, you always talk about your dyslexia and dyspraxia. Why? Because I want other people to know that it's okay to be dyslexic and dyspraxic. I found out at 37 mm -hmm. and it crushed me. I've known since, I knew all the way through, right the way through till I was diagnosed that I was dyslexic, dyspraxic, but there wasn't any help for me and it was lonely mm -hmm. and I had to learn life skills. And what I find is that it's a bit like, I won't go into the internet, it's, it's a bit like that hidden elephant in the room and I didn't talk about it because I was embarrassed. Mm -hmm. I was humiliated. I couldn't read very well. And as an actor going into um, read-throughs, I would struggle and I would scan. I taught myself how to speed read ahead. And I don't want anybody to not know that they're not that, that they're on their own because you can succeed if you are dyslexic and dyspraxic. It is not a disability, it is a superpower. What I am happy to do, and it's what happened when we were at the gold mapping, is I'm now confident enough to say, hang on a minute, I'm struggling here, and it's, it's just I'm neurodiverse. I've just got a different way that my brain works. You're running on ahead. If I don't speak up at that point, I'm lost, and the rest of the session has gone, and I'm still on that point because I haven't been able to catch up. So I want people to be able to know that it's okay to say, I am dyslexic, I am dyspraxic. It's not, I'm stupid. I am not mm -hmm. stupid in any way. I just have a brain that is wired differently. And this goes for ADHD and, yeah, and all the other aspects of neurodiversity because I'm watching and I'm working with a little boy. So I work with children who've got, um, who are coming into the, to understanding where they are mm -hmm. with their neurodiversity. And I don't take any payment for this. This is on the side. And um, one of the things I do is I share my journey with them. Yeah. And it empowers them to know that it's okay. And this little boy, oh, I'm so proud of him. He's going to do a presentation at school about himself because it is about ourselves. And it's not that we're different. And I'm very strong on this. We need to be included and accepted. Yeah. And we have to do that starting with ourselves. I well, thank you for thank you for showing that because I think that's really powerful. And um, did it getting that diagnosis? Did it help you go? Oh no, I know. No, yeah, okay. It, yeah. um, so when I found out, I was I'd written an essay, and the essay came back with red, and uh, it was I was called stupid by the tutor. Mm -hmm. I was thirty seven, uh, lazy all the things that you're told when you're at school and it had nothing but red pen over it. And I turned and had this biggest, biggest breakdown. Um, it took two and a half hours to stop me from being, from, to allow me to be able to breathe and be suitable enough, sensible enough to be able to get into the car. I was 37, to get into the car and drive home. The, the teacher who caught me, I still don't know, I can't remember your name, but oh my God, you caught me. Um, and it was, it, it broke, it totally, broke yeah. me um it was the start of me totally burning my entire life um, <laughs> and I do mean I got the diagnosis I graduated from university I hated my my tutu because it wasn't good enough because it, you know, all of those things that mental 
crazy. Um, and then in the January, I, well, December, I completely blew my life up because of this diagnosis. And then I came out the other side and I met Dennis and I grew up and I owned it. So it was about six months of total breaking um, and I owned it. And it's now so important and entrenched in me that I want other people to know it's okay to have that break. And actually, I think that's what's really important is uh, recognizing that people, um, not everybody, you know, with you, you think everybody thinks the same way you do and processes the same things that you do. And intellectually, I knew they didn't, but it took me a long time to get to grips with the fact people process things at different times. They take in information in different ways. Um, they, uh, some people like to listen, some people like to read. Everybody learns differently. And when you recognize that, um, then you certainly as a speaker and a trainer, you have to make sure that you um, speak and uh, talk and communicate with people in lots of different ways so you include everybody but actually by you shouting up shouting out hang on a minute it may not there may have been other people that hadn't quite heard properly hadn't quite um well or misinterpreted it and all that kind of thing so actually it's okay to say hang on a minute can you just say that again yeah interestingly enough brian main who, who did the goal mapping system he left school age 13 unable to read and write utterly dyslexic yeah and um, he still made um, made a fortune in the business that he was in and lost it all but he is a, a the epitome of changing how uh, he learned how to read um, and he he's now an avid reader and he'll still say it takes some time but he reads words in such a different way he takes the information on in such a different way he really um almost every single word is inwardly digested and analyzed and and he he kind of looked up what does that word mean what does that word mean how many of us do that i do how many of us, yeah but how many of us make assumptions about a word that what a word means and then use it completely in the wrong way so i have to know what it means and if i use the wrong what you heard earlier is that the word I want? I will question, and that's my brain. It's not me questioning myself. It's me questioning the context of how I've used the word to ensure that I've used it correctly. So that's one of my life skills that I use. I'm I'm really proud that I can help people. And yeah. I think that's, and particularly the new generation, um, the, the new people coming through. Neurodiversity is so much easier to diagnose today. And I want to empower others. So thank you for asking um, the question. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, there is obviously I, that that was really interesting. It's really good to hear. But um, I also have a little bit of experience with that because I have um, um, ASD, ADHD with my ADHD with my kids, and um, sort of had some interesting challenges along the way. Um, and I now help um, parents um, with challenging ch children with challenging behaviour because I know what it's like. And it's yeah. just recognising we we think differently. We some don't remember anything you know have attention people that have an attention span of a gnat is not because they are being naughty or not they just can't so it's just give the information in a different way awesome i'm gonna we're gonna wrap up there we've gone over which is great because that was such a lovely lovely end and um i may just snip that and send that out as a soundbite because i think what we've just discussed well actually all of this has been incredible yeah. actually so thank you so much for your time this morning i have thoroughly enjoyed pleasure. it
I guess we have to do a bit more because there's loads more because you've got a really good story. I've got a really good story. We could throw some in there. We're going to have to do something else. Absolutely. And I can guarantee with a glass of wine, it would be even more funny. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Let's, Let's say goodbye. Thank you. Okay, take care.